You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. We need cash out of your home in a simple way to get it. Rocket can. Huge start of the actual college football season in front of us. So much stuff going on. And so we're going to turn to our buddy, our friend from CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, the very talented Barrett Salee joins us on the show. Barrett, what's up, buddy? Oh, man, just a little tired after what was a wild Thursday night. Man, you couldn't ask for a better Thursday night to start the season. I thought that two pick sixes two in the fourth quarter to take leads, there were two last year for the entire season. So, man, it was a fun, fun night. Yeah, that backyard brawl was really fun and really cool, West Virginia Pitt. Look, I understand that there's scheduling realities and all kinds of thing, money, all kinds of things. But just based on the energy and the excitement and the vibe of that, why not do that every single year? Why not just for both those programs and just for fans in general, build it in? I, look, I agree with you 100%. Obviously, with college football, the out-of-conference schedules are 10, 15 years in advance. But now we're, we are going to get it. I think there are five more years uh, of that rivalry over the next eight or nine. So, you know, you're still going to get it. But I love games like that where – I mean, they literally hate each other. Like, that's not, like, fake. They literally <laughs> hate each other. And to have that on opening weekend, you know, I think that's perfect because we know we have conference schedules, and there are conference rivalries, obviously, that come out at the end of, of, the, of November. But some of these just need to be viewed. And to have that happen on the opening Thursday night is awesome for the sport. You could even put some of those on week zero. It would still be awesome for the sport. Uh, but, yeah, those two need to play every year uh, because you could, you could sense the excitement and the anger between those two fan bases. Barrett, I'm with you. I wish across all sports leagues, professional and amateur, they would lean to the hate more often. It is a perfect ingredient to just bring out the best in athletes. Those rivalries are, are, are special. Um, we, Barrett Slee here on, on the show on this Friday, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the college football playoff, the possibility of expansion, how we should view that possibility given the rising dominance and prominence of the Big Ten and the SEC and their ability to poach really important programs. Most recently, obviously, Big Ten getting USC and UCLA in the city I'm, I'm, I'm from or I'm in. Um, for you, it's a really complicated situation. As a guy that covers the sport every day, that's one of one of the premier experts in the country, what do you think should happen? What is best for the game as it relates to college football expansion or, or, or non-expansion? You know, I've always been a minimalist. I, I think if you expand the college football playoff, you're just draining access and not rewarding excellence. It's still going to be the same teams. It's just that's the way things operate. So I, I don't like the fact that we're doing – I really don't like the fact that we're doing this right now at the start of the season. I mean, save some topics and some, and some content for late February. <laughs> it's just right now I think the presidents have basically said, you know, screw it. You guys are not handling this well. Commissioners, working groups, we're done with all of this. We can vote. We can ratify it. We're going to do it. Um, so to me, I think it's a little irresponsible to do this knowing – that there's still going to be a lot of chess pieces moving around in terms of conference realignment. So to, to have this happen, which will be 2024, because it will be, you know, coincide with the Big 12 TV contract and then the, 
Texas and Oklahoma can move to the SEC. So there still will be some sense of of normalcy once this whole thing happens. But it's just to me, it's just it, they're doing it out of, and I'm going to say anger, but frustration more than anything else. And you know, I don't like it. Um, I do like, in a backwards way, I do like the 12-team proposal that happened last summer more than an eight-team playoff, even though I'm a minimalist, because it doesn't necessarily guarantee spots for, conf- for every conference champion. You know, it's the top six conferences. And if there's a seven-and-five team that strings an upset in the conference championship game, even in the SEC, they're not getting one of those spots. So I kind of like that a little bit, but it's just a shame. I think the easiest way to go about the playoff would be keeping it for and then change the selection process because I think the lack of transparency in the selection process is at the core of what people really don't like about it. That's a great point. And, Barrett, I am one of those people who don't who welcome expansion despite all the, the very reasonable things you just walked us through, in part because – and I, I'm a Big Ten – I grew up in Big Ten country. My, my family are all Iowa fans. I went to Missouri – I don't even know what conference to root for as a Mizzou guy now. I was there in the Big 12 days. But I live out west, and I I certainly can relate to folks out here who feel like the Pac-12, fair or not fair, gets dismissed every year when Oregon loses to whoever they're going to lose to. Maybe it'll be Georgia here this weekend, and we can talk about it. But if you're one of the conferences trying to survive or or hold on to some prominence that keeps seeing your schools go away, if you're the Big 12, if if you're the Pac-12, does an expanded football playoff format give you a road to a little bit of salvation or a little bit of safety given all the chaos that's happened to you over the last few months? I guess theoretically, yes, but that can backfire because if the Pac-12 gets in every year automatically and gets smoked, I would say that's worse than what happens right now, right? Because at least if you're not getting in, you're not getting the national spotlight of getting your tail kicked in the playoff. So, you know, theoretically, because of access, yes. But like I said before, I would rather reward excellence than grant access. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are two ways to look at that. And, again, that gets back to the original point, though, Bill, is that we don't even know what the Pac-12 is going to be, right? So if right. the Pac-12 is comparable to the AAC, then we're having a completely different conversation about, you know, what's a, a playoff-worthy team out of that conference as opposed to right now when – you know, there's still Oregon, there's still Washington, there's still Utah, there's still good teams there. Barrett Salee here on the show. Speaking of Oregon, feels like every year there's just massive pressure on that program to beat whatever major program in their non-conference schedule they're up against. I mean, it's another big one. Give them credit from a scheduling perspective. Oregon against Georgia, what is it, 11 versus 3 coming up. Um, walk me through this game and, and what an Oregon win looks like if you think that's even a possibly reasonable outcome. Well, I don't think it's possible because we've seen Bo Nix against Georgia, and it does not work. Two total touchdowns, three total inter- uh, uh, turnovers in three games. He's 0-3 against Georgia. He plays YOLO ball way too much, and against Georgia's defense, that's not going to fly. Now, I know the, the, the response would be, well, Georgia lost five first-round draft picks off that defense, 15 de- uh, uh, draft picks overall. It's not going to be anywhere close to what it was last year. That is a, a, a mindset coming out of ignorance because they still have Jalen Carter, who's better than Jordan Davis. They still have Nolan Smith, who alongside N'Kobe Dean was the best linebacker in 
on that team last year. They still have Christopher Smith. They still have Keely Ringo. Those are four first-round draft picks out of that defense right now. So this idea that they're just going to take a massive step back defensively, it's just not true. Now, they're not going to be what they were last year. That's just insane to think something like that could be repeated. But that's still a top-five defense with dudes all over the place. So if, you're, if you already know that the quarterback you're going up against struggles against you, I mean, what, why is there – any doubt that you're going to be able to hold him in check again. So I just think to me, if George is being overlooked, then I don't think people have a full recognition of what that program has really been doing and what Kirby Smart has done from a recruiting perspective over the last few years. Think about this. They didn't add anybody through the transfer portal. They didn't have to. That's pretty telling as to where that program is. I'm Barrett Silly here on the show. I'm not sure there's a worse thing that you can direct toward a, a proud program or person than pity. But as I heard you talk in such accurate terms, all I felt was pity for the number 11 team in the country. Barrett Silly here on the here on the show. Uh, Barrett, another. I mean, I think the game of the weekend is Notre Dame Ohio State. I mean, my goodness, what 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 a start. What um what are you expecting from from that contest? You know, I'm. I'm so intrigued with that Ohio State defensive front. Jim Knowles comes over from a, a successful stand as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. He's charged with reviving the Oklahoma or the Ohio State defense, which talented, not well coached. And I just want to see what they do against a really good Notre Dame offensive line. Because if that Notre Dame offensive line plays well, I know we haven't seen a lot of Tyler Buckner at quarterback for Notre Dame, but He's really dangerous, and we've seen that aspect of his game. So I think that's the biggest thing to me is how does Jim Knowles get pressure on him and what does that front seven actually look like? Because the talent's there. We've seen that. But the consistency has not been and the discipline has not been. I think those are the two most important things because, I mean, look, we know C.J. Stroud's going to get his. But if they can keep this, Notre Dame can keep this a sub-30-point game, they're going to have a chance. But the last thing Notre Dame needs is Tyler Butner getting into a shootout with the Heisman Trophy favorite because that ain't going to work. Barrett, I'm, I'm so interested in the idea of fallen programs and rightfully proud programs that, that are, are something different than in reality than what their, their fan base views as their rightful place. And, and circling back to the pity conversation, I went to the University of Missouri during the Corby Jones years. You know, I'm not sure it's the highest high, but it was for us. And Nebraska was a program when they were in the Big 12 that just continuously abused us, humiliated us. There was the kick game. I could just go through the whole thing. They found new and creative ways to rip our sporting souls from our chest. And so all these years later, and I do have family members from Nebraska, that I feel pity for that program is a very weird and strange and bizarre feeling. And I really thought that Scott Frost was going to bring them back to a level of self-respect, if not if not greatness. Is there a path forward for Nebraska football to get to the place, even remotely close, to what its fan base thinks it should be, which is, you know, they still think that there's some future where they can be an important college football program? Nope, no way, because they fired Bo Pelini, and he was a perpetual nine-win coach. If they could beat, win nine games consistently this day and age, that coach, whoever he is, deserves a lifetime contract. Because the recruiting, even though Nebraska's got the passionate fan base, even though Nebraska's got the history, these kids don't care. 
Bill, you just talked about Missouri and uh, Nebraska as a Big 12 game. How many of these kids even know Nebraska as a Big 12 team? Fair. They really None. don't. Yeah. And, and so they, they view Nebraska as a team that continually gets its tail kicked by Big 10 opponents. And so how do you change that? Well, with NIL, with recruiting, but everybody else in the Big Ten is getting 100 mil too. So how do you differentiate yourself if you're Nebraska? I mean, you really can't. And so I think this, this idea that Nebraska can get back to the glory days, it's just not, it's not reasonable, not in this landscape of college football. So I think, it, look, I've said this for a very long time. If you are going to be a recruiting disadvantage, which – Nebraska is going to be at a recruiting disadvantage. You need to hire somebody unique to run an offense that nobody else is going to see, whether that's the triple option, which I don't necessarily think Nebraska should do, or if you watch the Vanderbilt game last Saturday, spread out of the triple option, which is exactly what Willie Fritz did at Georgia Southern when Georgia Southern transitioned to FBS, and they won the Sun Belt and couldn't even actually win the Sun Belt because they were still in transition. So, I think Nebraska should go in that direction. The problem is the, the decision makers don't recognize reality, and reality is going to hit them in the face consistently if they don't sort of get their minds right. Barrett's Lee dropping truth, and I'm just hoping that Aunt Annie and Uncle Dan aren't listening in Omaha because some, some truths are hard to listen to. Uh, Barrett, last one for you. I could do this all day, but I do want to ask you about, about USC here in my, my backyard Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, obviously uh, a fertile area for recruiting in the years ahead, massive expectations. What do you think USC can be this year? Uh, Awesome and awful and really nothing in between. And the reason I say that is because the skill position players are there. And we know those guys can, if you have that kind of talent, you can win at an elite level. But you can't win at an elite level at all times. You can't block. And USC can't block. So it's going to be feast or famine this year. And honestly, though, in reality, that's fine. If the expectation is Lincoln Riley taking the college football playoff this year, you need to hold yourself in check a little bit. But an 8-4 and four season where you beat a team maybe that you, you maybe shouldn't, maybe you go 9-3 and three and, you know, you can get to the Pac-12 championship game in the South if Utah makes it because there are no divisions this year. That's good enough. And I think if Lincoln can, can – convince Southern California offensive linemen and defensive linemen that this team can be a national power, then it can be. But if he only goes skill positions, it's not going to happen. Barrett Saleh, it is the beginning of a long and exciting season. Looking forward to talking to you, following your coverage at CBS Sports, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. Uh, my friend, appreciate you and a busy time. Thank you for making time. My pleasure, Bill. Hey, we got four more days of this, so pace yourself out there. <laughs> Last night was great, but we still got to get things, you know, pull it back a little bit because otherwise Monday night's going to be hard. I will go. I'm going to go slow. It's it's like easing into a bachelor party. You don't you don't do it all at once. You just work your way in slowly. Well, I can tell you, Pitt and Purdue and Penn State and West Virginia certainly tried to go all out in the first night. So. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Thank you, buddy. Hey, Bill. Uh, Barrett Slee on the uh, on the show. I once um I once did a six or seven day bachelor party in Las Vegas, in which we lost one of the groomsmen and found him twenty four hours later with two black eyes passed out in his bathroom. 
and $12,000 in his pocket that he didn't know where it came from. Is this what uh, the movie The Hangover is based I, dude, off I'm of? not kidding. I, I, know, I know the Maloofs, right? I used to own the Sacramento Kings from when they owned the Kings, and I bumped into the Maloofs at their, at their restaurant. They, own, they owned a, um, a casino, the Palms, and they invited us to Excess, which I thought was like E-X-C-E-S-S because I'm not cool. It's the letters X and S. It's a nightclub <laughs> at, um, at the Wynn. Or the win adjacent the encore, I, I mean, I, it. A, a buddy hit a hole in one. It it, it was, it, dude. It like it, it was. My point is, I made the mistake. Bears. I I did not ease into that bachelor party, and it, it's amazing. I tried to pick a not a fight, but I saw some world famous. And you, I just can't. I blank out his name every time. World famous UFC fighter, like one of the great UFC fighters of all time, were in this room, and I was like, "Hey, man, you think you're strong?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, what? dude." I'm like, you, you think you're what? tough? He's like, "Yeah." I go, "Yeah, you are tough." <laughs> oh yeah. What? Oh yeah. Bottle bottle service is not a good idea. Anyway, story for a different day. Eight five five two one two four. My point is, don't do seven day bachelor parties in Vegas. That's basically what I'm what I'm trying to get at. Eight five five two one two four CBS. What you should do though is lean into buy or sell where Tom DeCelestino puts together headlines from sports, and I give you a take on each one. That is coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Writer Than You. I really want to do Writer Than You, the musical. I'm not joking. I want to do an entire show where you have to sing the entire thing. On CBS Sports Radio. You know, you shouldn't have chosen that rejoin, um, D-Cell. When are we doing this? I actually asked our, our boss. I was talking to our boss our new boss, he's not really new, he's been here a year, Spike Eskin, who, who's the, the grand poobah here, who's really excellent. And um, I said to him, I think, I don't know, six, eight months ago, I, yeah, I want to try some different stuff. Like, for example, I joke I want to do it brighter than you, the musical. And he goes, some version of, do it. Like, if you're going to do that stuff, do it all the way. Go for it. So we've got what I like to call a green light. Um, what we don't have, at least for me, is a singing voice, any sense of tone or pitch, or an ability to sing without disrupting the um, just the general harmony of anyone within earshot. So I don't have a real strategy for how to do this. Can you sing? Are you? Can you? Can you get a? Can you hit a little bit of a note? I can't sing whatsoever, but okay. I will tell you, I do have it slotted in here for what looks like the thirty-second of this month. What we should do is pick a holiday when <laughs> you and I are working together and most of the bosses are off and several of the listeners are hanging out with their families and just do it. And we'll have to have some pre-recorded segments. Who can sing in the building? Ooh, Tiki I, can sing. I, who's that? Tiki. Tiki can sing. I he don't think Bogish can sing. So uh, we'd have to get Tiki to agree to be a guest and sing his answers. Because this is really what our audience wants on the holidays, to hear us singing. Yeah, definitely. I, we we've def, we, we, we I, I've done in the past a rap challenge. You have to write a rap and Doug put it together, and everyone does that could take up some. We're gonna come up with a plan, and we're gonna execute it. And I need you not to treat this like you treat every other part of the show that you don't agree with. Who me? Just don't, yeah. No, 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 no. Carlos is hanging out with you today, and he, I don't think he knows that you lost a bet in which you had to take your shirt off for a segment, and you won't pay the bet off. That's called that's called not cool, bro. It's expired. It's it's long, long gone. I don't know a lot about guys who tie their their, their shoes bunny style, but I'm learning. Bunny ears style. <laughs> I'm a complicated guy. Yeah, you are. <laughs> let's get into the let's let's um 
Let's utilize the beautiful complications at our D cell to see what he has cooked up for buy or sell. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. I mean, I could just throw like, I want buy or sell, right? I mean, we could just. That's not bad. Right? That's not bad. No no practice either. Just right just into it. did it. it. All right, now I'm going to throw you for a little bit of a loop here to start by ourselves today. Yesterday. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you think the expression throw you for a loop means? I really just can't use any phrases. I blame I myself. I, I like the fr- I'm just, okay, ple- I'm sorry. Please continue. Yesterday we discussed Russell Wilson's yeah. $245 million extension from the Broncos, but he wasn't the only Denver superstar to get paid this summer. Remember back on July 1st, Nikola Jokic... Signed his own five-year extension with the Denver Nuggets for $264 million. Buy or sell that Nikola Jokic is more valuable to the Nuggets than Russell Wilson is to the Broncos. I feel like you physically picked me up and tossed me, and I was suddenly in a loop. There you go. That's what I feel like. We've come full circle. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we have. I've been looped. Um, That is a great question. No joke, that's one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Because it's so interesting, and I, I never would have thought of it. Who is more valuable to their team? Russell Wilson to the Broncos or Nikola Jokic to the Nuggets? So I'm going to... Wait, is it about... How did, you did this by yourself. What, what was the order? By yourself that Nikola Jokic is more valuable to the Nuggets than Russell Wilson is to the I'm Broncos. Gonna, I'm going to reluctantly but, but confidently... Can I do both... Buy. Buy. Here's why. A superstar, important in both, especially when you're talking about a quarterback, but more important in the NBA because he is 20% of the starting reality, right? And obviously plays both ways. And as we've discussed, in the NFL, recruitment is not really an issue based on market. In the NBA, Denver's a middle market. I mean, you can... You can get some guys, but it's not LeBron's not putting you on the list for the next LeBron. Jokic has won an MVP. Am I right in thinking that Russell has not? That sounds right off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm doing it. To there the was top a of my long time there where he didn't even get an MVP vote. Yeah, I mean Drew Brees never won an MVP, which is you know that's crazy in his own thing. So yeah, I mean it's really difficult. It's really close, and I could be proven wrong. If the Denver Broncos win a win a Super Bowl over the the stretch of this what now seven years that they're committed to, to Russell Wilson, I will be wrong because I don't think Denver will win one with Jokic, given how they're constructed. They could, but I, I great question, dude. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nikola Jokic. All right, now entering his third season in Miami, Tua Tungavailoa was voted a team captain for the first time. New head coach Mike McDaniel said the team vote was based on a point system and Tua far and away had the most points of any player. Buy or sell Tua being named team captain for the Dolphins is a big deal. Uh, Buy. My my eyes. Did this happen? I saw it this morning at, at 4 in the morning. Is that okay? I was on, yeah. After my near-death experience with the UPS truck yesterday, I was sort of kind of turned off the sports last night um, and turned on the drinks. Um, Let it go. I think it is a big deal. It was my first reaction. It doesn't mean it's going to translate, but the respect of the guys in the locker room. And whether it's, 
the respect because they're like, this is the guy, or it's the respect because they really like him and want him to be the guy, which are different things. I think still matters that that is a that is a team that is largely either believing in or behind Tua Tagovailoa, and that is not going to necessarily make him a, an accurate quarterback under duress and, and guarantee that he can make good on the weapons that they have. But I think it bodes really well for that team if he can do those things. All right, former NBA All Star Gilbert Arenas made some comments last oh, week on his No Chill podcast that Giannis Antetokounmpo can't be the best player in the league right now. He doesn't understand basketball yet. He plays the sport. He won a championship. Cool. He doesn't really understand how to be great, how to be better, how to train his body. Like, you know, I'm looking at the stats. Oh, playing 32 minutes, 34 minutes. 30. You, I'm sorry, but to be here, you have to train your body to at least 38 minutes and above. Mm. LeBron played 37 minutes at 37. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole thing. Like, just, that's a whole thing. Iverson was playing 43 minutes. 43 minutes. Like, you, there's, there's a real, like. Now, Arenas was a guest of the SiriusXM NBA radio this week, and he was asked to clarify his Giannis comments. From a guy who didn't have the physical gifts. Mm-hmm. I had to use my tools to my best ability. So that means I had to understand the game inside the game. So I had to know rest, rest names. I had to understand what rules I can bend, what rules are not bendable. Where where do the referees stand so I know what, what moves I can use that they can't catch. He doesn't understand that part of the game. Right now, his game is all physical. Is that a bad thing, though? No. See, I'm not taking away from what he said. I'm saying if you guys have him number one or number two, and he does not understand this game yet, that is scary. Now, this is this is what I'm saying, understand the game, too. Give him Tim Duncan's knowledge. A whole different player, isn't it? Buy or sell Gilbert Arenas' logic. <laughs> sell all of it. Sell all the logic. Sell. <laughs> I, you cracked the code, my cousin Vinny. You learned the ref's names. No one can stop you now. You're Neo from the Matrix. What is he talking about? Look, I hate to I hate to hit him with facts, but um, guy named Steph Curry. I don't know if you ever heard him. You know, sort of an anonymous player. Uh, averages... Over the course of his career, 34 minutes played per game. Last year, 25. The year before, 28. The year before that, 29. The year before that, 30. The year before that, 28. I mean, like, it's okay. A guy named Tim Duncan, who, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm not mistaken, um, was just uh, referenced uh, average 34 34, uh, minutes per game as well in his career. Very similar numbers. After his sixth, seventh year in in the league, he went down to Giannis numbers. minutes per game and it's also true that we know more about basketball and the human body and the science of preserving guys and it's not Giannis saying to his coach I I just don't have it in me to go more than 32 minutes he's a physical specimen it is that organization making the decision to limit his minutes because they think it optimizes their chances to be successful and lo and behold they've won an NBA championship under Giannis he's won an MVP I mean what a what a terrible Terrible take. I mean, that is one of the worst takes I've ever heard in my entire life. 
All right. By the way, every time some some athlete says to me, Ryder, you don't know what you're talking about. You didn't play in the NBA. I'm just going to pull out my phone and play that clip. <laughs> he lost me once he said Giannis doesn't understand basketball. Right. Right then and there, I was I was lost. I know the ref's names. Hey, Larry. Oh, you know my name? You will now score 30 points per game. <laughs> what? what? <sighs> anyway. All right. Yesterday in soccer. Soccer! Transfer deadline day. Many moves went down, including several involving your Barcelona team. Buy or sell Barca's moves at the deadline. I really am touched that you took the time to study that Aubameyang got sold to Chelsea and that Bellerin and Alonso came in and that Memphis Depay ended up staying, but Dest got loaned out to AC Milan. All the things that you really, you know, they couldn't get unload Jordi Alba, so you're sort of aware of that, that drama and all the things that went down. That I mean, can I just give you a buy for your buy. willingness to lean into soccer? Um, I'm all in. Cool. What was the question that, that you put together so uh, astutely? Buy or sell Barca's move at the deadline. I'm gonna all the moves. I'm gonna buy. I kind of like. I kind of like the roster. Buy. You know, I'm glad they didn't go out and get as you as you sort of noted. Not or not Bernardo Silva. I think that would have been too expensive for Man City. I have Sucker. all these things jotted down here. Yeah, every single one of them. I, you really. It was a busy day. This expression I get and I like. When it comes to you on soccer lately, you're like white on rice. <laughs> Now that one, I think we all get pretty straightforward. Makes right? sense. The rice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't throw me for a loop. Me either. Maybe this one will though. Let's get to Uh-oh. some baseball. With Albert Pujols just six homers shy of 700, seems as though Alex Rodriguez, who finished his career only four away from 700 himself, has gotten the itch to play again. My main man, Albert Pujols, with two home runs shy of tying me for 696 home runs. You see me rocking my pinstripes, and now that 13 is available back with the Yankees, I may have to little, make a little comeback and race you to 700. What do you say? Now, A-Rod was smoking a cigar, and in one probably the fanciest suit I've ever seen. My question to you, though, Bill, buy or sell A-Rod making Pujols' pursuit of 700 homers about himself? I mean, I kind of understand it, because... I'll buy. I mean, he lost J-Lo. I mean, what, what else can he have going on? That's you true. Know? That's true. I don't know if that'll ever wear off. Buy or sell. You know how a lot of people, when they break up with someone, go back and listen to their favorite song together, right? You know, <laughs> like all of our parents, I'm sure, listen to what would it have been, Air Supply on repeat back in the day when those breakups happened. Buy or sell that, that A-Rod when no one's looking and he's vulnerable, has a giant tub of ice cream, many tears, and is just watching J-Lo movies on repeat. Bye. You know, he's so good and out of sight. I am no A-Rod fan. I am no A-Rod supporter. It's okay. He's allowed to do it. You lose Jennifer Lopez like that, it's okay. That's what you should be doing. You should be watching rom-coms, eating tubs and tubs of ice cream. It's okay. And then when he gets to the anger stage, right, when he gets to the, when he transitions, then he can watch bad Ben Affleck films. (laughs) Just watch Daredevil on repeat. Yeah, and, and... Ben Affleck, as, ben Affleck as Batman. I mean, come on. Give me a break. I, I mean, I thought he wasn't a... Oh, your Batman thing. Your, your weird Batman thing. I thought he wasn't a bad... It wasn't great. But it wasn't embarrassing the way... He was embarrassing in Daredevil. 
That was really bad. It was really terrible. All right, let's finish up with some tennis here. Last night, we saw Venus and Serena Williams take the court as double partners for the first time in nearly five years. And it was also likely the last time we'll see it as it ended in defeat at the U.S. Open. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell part of the lore of Serena's legacy is that her older sister, Venus, is a seven-time Grand Slam winner herself. So, I'm going to sell that. I, I, sell. I understand they're connected. And it certainly, I think, in the beginning was part of the draw. And I think Venus, it's a great, I love the question because I was thinking last night as they, as there, as the curtain closed on, on, as you said, probably their career together in doubles. And they love each other so much. And I have a siblings, I have siblings, plural that I love. And my kids are really, are really close, Mal and Henry. I understand that sibling bond. Um, it occurred to me how remarkable Venus is in a vacuum. Like she's been overshadowed by her younger sister and she's an all-time great. But part of the reason she's been overshadowed because Serena stands on her own. Um, she doesn't need to be described as Venus's sister. She doesn't need to be des- described as a black athlete. She doesn't need to, need to be described as a female tennis player. And in some ways, she doesn't even need to be described as a tennis player because you say, Serena, you already know. You don't have to. She transcends certainly many of those labels, unfortunately, we, we put on people. And, and, and in some ways, the sport itself. And, you know, she transcends what, what her sister accomplished. And I understand they're connected. And the, the movie um, King Richard about their family is really good. Gives some insight. Obviously, Venus's ability to break down some of those barriers and for Serena to see that and live in the shadows a little bit and then emerge. It's all connected, right? That family, including Venus, shares in all the successes. But I think Venus stands on her own. Um, that's a, that, was a, that was a fun buy or sell. Nice job. I would describe that as excellent, Diesel. I appreciate that. A lot of compliments since I've been back for all of two days. Don't get used to it. No, do get used to it. You deserve it. You deserve it, buddy. Um, let's. Uh, it's Bum of the Week. We've had some interesting Bum of the Weeks lately. I'm really excited. Uh, I've got some nominees. Uh, Diesel, is there anyone, don't tell me yet, but do you have any surprise nominations you want to you wanna put into the mix? I have someone in mind. So do I. I'm going to tell, I'm going to try to do, it's a little political, so I'm trying to do it in a way that's not off-putting, but I had, I've had many intense interactions in my life. I am, I am um, more than willing to have difficult conversations. I just, I'm cool with it. And, and I had maybe one of the most bizarre of my life last night, and that will play its part in in buyers, or in bum of the week, excuse me, and D-Cell's got a surprise bum of the week nominee who may or may, may not be somebody that you really want to hear. That's coming up here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Peter Schwartz. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It's Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you for listening. Uh, Ducky Hines tweets, Angry D sells CBS is great radio when he talks. His cow bums foibles. Foibles are a really good word. And Derek uh Berthiam writes at both of us, pinata is most likely not a sport. You can only <laughs> play offense if you don't necessarily play competitively against opponents. That is very funny. Let's do Bum of the Week. Hallelujah. I'm a bum. All he's doing is a whole lot of damn nothing. I'm a bum. You're a bum. I'm a bum. You're a bunch of bums. I'm a bum. I'm a bum. I'm a bum. Who's the bum this week? Let's find out on Writer Than You on CBS Sports Radio. I don't want to belabor this too long, but I had a bizarre interaction last night. I'm going to talk about it. I think it's bad for America. It's not political. It's about 
common decency. We say all the time on the show, call in, have any opinion, just be respectful. I'm in the bar last night in this bar. I'm getting a, a drink. There's a guy in there talking politics very aggressively. Whatever. Cool. It's America. You're entitled to your opinion. And then he says nonchalantly to the woman next to him, if I could line up every member of insert a political party, one of the two, that has been elected on any level in America, this is what he says, I would shoot each of them in the head with a gun and feel no remorse. And I have loved ones and friends who are politi- politicians on both sides of the aisle. And so we had this weird interaction, Gisela, where she, this woman he was talking to left. He turns to me, he's like, oh, are you getting a drink? And I won't even give you the exchange, but I bas- very politely told him that I thought his opinion was uh, worthless and I didn't want to hear another word coming out of his mouth because he was talking about people that I care about. And so that guy and all the people who are leaning to hate in this country, uh, your bum of the week nominees. Uh, on a less serious note, although a serious note, uh, Aaron Donald's PR person is certainly nominated uh, for, as Ducky Hines also suggested, for, for cutting in our guy Zach Gelb during a live interview with this little gem. Yeah, we're just going to focus um, just here because Aaron's here today to talk about Dr. Teals. So you do have two minutes left if you want to pivot to your last question, please. Yeah, um, sports talk radio shows were built to pitch Dr. Spiels and just spiel about Dr. Spiels on a regular basis. Uh, incorrect. Uh, Gilbert Arenas is nominated for his word salad uh, put together non what am I trying to say? Now I'm the world salad. Whatever. Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas for his Giannis take. Uh, the Bears is for me and the Bears. Anybody who thinks Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak earned him an MVP over Ted Williams when he hit 406. I know that was like 60 years ago. I'm obviously still mad about it from yesterday's show. Anybody you want to nominate there, uh, Diesel? Yeah, I've been known to hold grudges, and the Dallas Cowboys made me look like a fool all last season. Ooh. Dak Prescott wants to silence the doubters from what we're saying, what we're writing. What are we saying? We're saying the truth. You did nothing to improve the team this year, and you fell flat on your face last year. Why do you think you're any better? That's all we're saying, Dak. I got to tell you, I didn't want to do this because I'm so – you can tell that I'm glad to have you back. You can tell that I'm, I'm really appreciative of all the hard work you've done. But you did, I'm just saying you did come back, and the first time you were with Bogish, you said on the air that Bogish – booed you when you walked into the room. It's all a matter of perspective. You lied about Andrew's greeting. Wait, wait, wait. Feelings. Does this mean you're taking his side over mine? I. It means I think you are lying. I think you lied wow. about Andrew. This is, this is a new record. I've been here for two days this week and I got nominated. I mean, how can you... I mean, you just... You straight up lied, didn't you? Like, that's what you did. It's all a matter of perspective. I saw Bogush... Felt like he was booing me. He didn't want to see me. He said hi to you. Eh, maybe. Did he go boo? Um, like I said, a matter of perspective. Do you? I mean, what, are we? Are we having a? Uh, are you saying he was a ghost and he was like <laughs> boo, like that kind of? What do you? I still can't believe this guy. And I know it's not a sports topic, but like it's now just normal conversation in America to talk about murdering your political. Opponent, like we please. I'm not going to even give the guy the award, but it was just, it was such an off-putting moment. Um, I'm really. I, I guess I should nominate Aaron Donald too, right? Because he wouldn't answer the questions. Can I hear the PR per? So I just want you to picture Zach Gelb asking Aaron Donald about swinging the helmets, which is a newsworthy story in that practice, and pressing in a really respectful way to try to get an answer. And like 12 seconds into the interview, the PR person again, just because this isn't what you're supposed to do the job decides that she forgets that this that, 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 that Zach doesn't work for Aaron Donald. 
Yeah, we're just going to focus um, just here because Aaron's here today to talk about Dr. Teal's. So you do have two minutes left if you want to pivot to your last question, please. Yeah, um, we're going to focus on the fact that you didn't do your job in a particularly effective way. And, and I, I would argue embarrass the brand of Dr. Spiels. And maybe next time you should prepare your client for the possibility he's going to get asked, you know, questions by a good radio host that are legitimate or and or you know maybe let the radio host know what's off limits so he can say i'm not gonna do the interview under those terms so like yeah you're like the bum of the week dude that's your bum of the week I you. on lighter than you unbelievable i do have a pretty embarrassing story though i once wanted to do an anthony davis interview i mentioned this a little bit yesterday and it was some um, some hit place downtown we're all online and bunch of reporters were there like four of us and I, I'm, I'm in this warehouse space upstairs diesel and i can't remember what he was, oh, he was pitching a, a chip like fritos or lays or something he designed his own flavor which you know means somebody else designed it i'm sure and um and then he, and he just put his name on it and i'm <laughs> i just lean against a wall right i just like lean it back because i'm waiting so there's another reporter in there and all the lights go off he's on the other side of a curtain i, I hear like what's somebody screaming what's going on and i'm like that's embarrassing and then i realized maybe 30 seconds in Oh, my God. Did the lights go off at the exact moment? I had leaned against the light switch. So I very <laughs> casually got up, like, felt in the darkness, felt the light switch, flicked it back, and then no one was around and casually moved to the other side of the And they ran out. And they're like, shooting. I'm like, no, man. Didn't see anything at all. And then I went in there and had a very similar interaction with the PR person. And I got up to leave. And Anthony Davis like, no, bro, I'll answer. And it literally was like, hey, do you like basketball? We're not going to answer those kind of questions. We're here to talk about spicy taco meat chips brought to you by AD. Feel the spice or whatever ridiculous. And they were awful, too. They were so gross. Anyway, have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. I'm Bill Ryder. We'll see you next week here on CBS Sports Radio.